Wants are things that we learn to give up for someone else. Yeah. And that's okay. Here's the problem of today's society, that every want is becoming a need. You are listening to The JP Show, where we discuss the issues you care about from a Jewish perspective. I am Rabbi G. I am Rabbi Levy. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Rabbi G, and great to be back again for another JP episode. Um, last week, we talked about marriage. We talked about why it's important to get married. We talked about the problem with commitments. And it seems that more and more people are finding it difficult to commit to getting married. And we discussed the whole issue around the importance of commitments. But there's another reason why people sometimes find it difficult to commit to marriage or to get married altogether. And it's something that I've heard. People have always asked me this question, and I think the question is being asked around a lot. And that is, how do I know, how can I be certain that he or she is the right one? That's an important question. So how do I know? We date, we date for a while, we date for short, we date for long. But how do I know? And the answer is that there can't be a reason not to commit. And the reason I say that is because there is no answer to that question. The answer to the question, how am I going to know if it's he or she is the right one, is you will not know. Now, that seems crazy, so I jump into it sort of blindly. And the answer is very simple. The answer goes to the core of what relationships is really all about. Relationships need investment. Now, of course, we're not talking about here a speed dating situation where you meet someone for five minutes and you decide to get married to them. That's not what we're talking about. Obviously, when people get married, they need to date and they need to find out some fundamentals. What those fundamentals are, okay, that's that's up for debate. I would say a little bit of chemistry, um, respect for each other, conversation flowing, good to be around, look forward to being around, and some basic level of compatibility. But once that is there, the longer you date is not going to make any difference. Because whether or not you date for short or long, once you commit, once you enter into a long-term marriage relationship, there are going to be things that are going to come up. Differences that are going to surface, things that are difficult that you need to navigate are going to appear without a doubt. It always happens. So therefore, the answer to how do I know he or she is the right one, the answer is you don't know, but the real answer is that you need to make it the right one. Relationships need investment. If the basics are there, if the fundamentals are there, they become the right one if you wanted to, if you put in the work, if you nurture the love, if you broaden the respect, if you put in a lot of ongoing maintenance and sustenance to the relationship. And a couple of thoughts on this is the following. First, for one big foundation of relationships, and I think we've spoken about this before, is respect. Respect is the in a nutshell, in an absolute nutshell, is the respect you have for the individuality of the other person. It's, it's accepting that the other person is different to you and you value the difference. They will have different perspectives. They will do things a little bit differently, not right or wrong. They will reach perhaps the same goals that you want to. And by the way, I think some of the foundational part is also values. I think common values are important, but the implementation and the living of those common values are done differently by different people. There's going to be different needs, different wants, different things. So therefore, 
there's a lot of difference to deal with in marriage. And part of marriage and part of all relationships is the preciousness of difference, growing from difference. But you need respect for that. Love isn't enough. When you love someone, that can be very selfish. You need to have selfless love, and that comes on the foundation of respect. So really, I like to tell people, when you ask the question of, how do I know that he or she is the right one? I think we need to turn that question around, and we need to ask ourselves before we we enter into a relationship, am I the right one? Meaning, am I ready for a relationship? That's got nothing to do with the other person. Am I ready to make a relationship work? Am I ready to put in the hard work? Am I ready to put in the long work? Now, it's not difficult work. It's beautiful work. And good marriages and good relationships get better with time. Um, We don't start off with a beautiful relationship and then go downhill from there. We start off at the base level and we grow from there. So we have to ask ourselves the question, am I the right one? Am I ready for this? And that work starts long before entering into a relationship. But that's, that's, the real, that's the real issue. Can we respect each other? Can we make room for each other? Can we grow together, not with the same perspective, but growing together? Can we both grow together by respecting and growing from each other's difference? So how will you know it's the right one? You won't. Put in the work. That's my opening thoughts. Good morning, Rabbi Levy. How are you? All right. Doing well. Doing well. This is a great, great topic. Okay. One that I uh, have great interest in. Go for it. So how long did you date for? Oh, you really want to know? Yeah, let's see. So I was part of the what they call the Shidduch system, as you were. Yeah. And um, just to dispel any myths, the Shidduch system is not an arranged marriage. We, we dated. I, but I dated for a few weeks. Yeah, exactly five, three, times. Exactly three weeks. That's it. Engaged for uh, three months. And still going strong after 35 years. years. 35 years. Wow. I've been married for nine and a half. Thank God. Um, so that's interesting. So we didn't really date for very long. Nope. Um, so, which, which I think goes very in line with what you were saying. Um, there's certain things that don't take very long to figure out. I think um, if you like the person, um, both on a physical and emotional level, I think it, takes, it doesn't take that long to figure out. Correct. Values definitely don't take very long to figure out. In fact, that was actually our main, I don't know what you spoke about, but uh, our main conversation was actually about values for the most part. Yeah, it was also, spoke... also because I think when we date, especially in the Shudok system, it's not for fun per se. It's with a very, very intense focus on is this going to work in marriage or not? Like if it's not going to work in marriage, then we're not going to waste our time. We're not going to just... Correct. Although it doesn't have to be intense. I mean, there's a lot of fun parts about it too. But oh, it correct. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But the, the main intent, the, the, the purpose of dating is for marriage. Correct. So therefore, the conversation is very focused, you know, um, on the sort of basic values. And uh, that doesn't take very long to figure out. So, you know, three weeks yeah, later. Yeah, so it's I all... think it's, it's those foundational stuff that I was talking about. By the way, I'm not suggesting that everyone just dates for three weeks. <laughs> Correct. It has to be within a certain context with a certain... Yeah, it's also got to fit yeah. culturally. I mean, a lot of Correct. stuff has to come in. But I, I think the principle is the same when yeah. you date for three weeks or three months. It's, it's the principles the same. Yeah, for sure. So I, 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 mean, I have to say, I'm going to be controversial. I have to say that there's some people I know that are still dating after a year, year and a half. I really have no idea what they're waiting for. <laughs> I, I know. I if you're listening I'm, to this and you think we're talking about you, we probably are. So Yeah. I've got to be honest. Listen, I've done a lot of, quite a bit of counseling, rabbinic counseling. I'm not a therapist, as I always say. And I see what goes on. I, you know, I observe marriages. You know, it's, one of, it's part of my job, right? Right. And I can just tell you that these guys who are still, you know, after it, maybe they're waiting to find a job or settle down. I don't know. But but they're just dating because they want to be sure. 
they're not going to find out anything different. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I, I have a thought which I came up with recently, um, and I want to I want to hear your uh, your thoughts about it and see if you agree if you don't agree. So I think that there's, there's four categories of things. I, I I like to think in like quite an orderly way. That's sort of the way I think. So I think there's four categories of thing of, of things. There's things that I like in another person. Then there's things that I just don't like. Um, then there's things in someone else. Talking in about. someone else talking right. about yeah. Then there's things that I cannot live with or without, depending on, on what it is. And then there's things that no one can live with or without. So let's start from the the the, the, the last one I just said. Sure, right? this is uh, okay. Got to so get this so there are things that I think that no one could or should live with. For example, uh, abuse, domestic violence, uh, serious toxicity. Those are things that I think no deep, one deep disrespect. Deep disrespect. Yeah, which all these things are different things. Not everything is abuse, not everything is toxicity, but nevertheless, all these things, um, I think no one should and could live with. That's not, that's not, that's not, that, that's not a functioning uh, marriage, or no, nor should anyone accept that. Then there are things that I personally cannot live with. I'll give you an example for me personally, and, and I think this applies to you as well. If I would have dated someone and they would have arrived an hour late to the date, I probably would have called it off. I would have said, I'm sorry, I actually can't live with And unless they had a really... Unless they had, a, you know, they had to go to hospital or something, something totally out of their control. What I mean to say is, I cannot live with someone who doesn't have a sense of time. Meaning, they could be five minutes late, ten minutes late. My wife is not as punctual as I am. I mean, both me and you are crazy. We're not punctual, actually. We're very early to things. Like, we both show up three and a half hours. Obsessive. Obsessive about time. And actually, not necessarily in a good way, always. But nevertheless, um, nevertheless... At least me and my wife are at least both in the same. We both think of time. Now, some people just don't like time is just not in their in their world, right? I don't think I would be able to live with such a person. It's not like abuse. It's not like domestic violence. It's not some. And maybe someone could live with that. Maybe some people like living like that, and it's fine. But something I personally couldn't live with. And then there's things that people just don't like. Um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. It's not something that I can live with or without. It's just like you know a little bit annoying. You know, someone forgets to take out the rubbish. Someone doesn't, uh, you know, they uh, don't notice the dirty dish on the counter. So, you know, certain things that you just, that you don't like. Then, of course, there's things that you like, and that's that's why you marry them, right? So I think this is, this is my thought. I think that before you get married and while you're dating, I think the most important thing to ascertain about the other person, I want to hear your thoughts about this, is, is the last two. The things that no one can live without. First of all, to make sure this person is not abusive, has respect, is a respectful person, and I think you've spoken about this many times. How do you see that? You see if they respect the waiter, how they respect other people, and all that type of stuff, all the red flags you look out for. And I think also it is it is a good idea to work out if this person has things that I really cannot live with. Uh, that you know, like for example, you know, that they have no sense of time at all, or they're totally in a different world than you are, totally different values than you are. Um, and of course, obviously, the things that you like will notice right away. But I think that the things that I just don't like, everyone is going to have something that you just don't like, right? Everyone has, no matter how perfect you think a person is. After three months of living with them, you're going to work out very quickly that they have issues, they have problems, and there's things that you're not going to like about it. I think perhaps where this might change is after you're already married. I think after you're already married and you've already committed, I think that even if you discover that there's something that you personally thought that you cannot live without or with, maybe there you would have to put in more effort and learn how to live with it. Whereas if it's things that no one should live with, for example, like abuse or domestic violence, that's a different story. That I, that I don't think anyone should live with. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Is that... Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a great formula. And you're touching on something very, very important because I want to add to it a little bit. So first of all, let me just take, I'm going to work backwards a little bit. So you said that the difference between the, the, the things that you think you can't live with, like for yeah. example, you can't live with someone that's not punctual. Yeah. 
would be different before marriage. In other words, it's a deal breaker before before yeah. commitment. But after right. commitment, you got to work on it, right? Yeah. You've committed, so yeah. Now, just so 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 in theory, you're right. In other words, if you committed, then you find something out that no one could live with, like abuse or, or toxicity or something. Then, unless that can be fixed with intense therapy, then it's a reason to call it off. But yeah. even after commitment, yeah. But if you've committed, then you find out that, or you find out when you're married, that. You know, the person really doesn't have a sense of time. Let's just use right. your example, yeah. right? So you have to work. And you're a very punctual person. Yeah. So I think you're right with that. I think commitment means you're ready to put in the work, right? But then there's also a process, and that process is a process of respect. So, I mean, what should happen in a good marriage in such a case is that you're, you, you say, listen, I thought I couldn't live with this, but we are married. It's we, we committed. But there's conversation, there's communication. And I think you each learn to give a little bit. So then the person who's very, very punctual, learns to not be so punctual. The person that has no sense of time just makes an effort to be a little bit more punctual, at least when it affects the other person, right? Yeah. So there has to be give and take. Because if there's no give and take, that means there's no respect. Respect has to be a two-way thing. So, you know, and that's a separate discussion of what happens when one person doesn't respect, when there's mm. a lack of respect. That's one comment I have on what you said. The other is that I want to just go back to what we said about the Shidduch system, and then I'm going to get to my, to my main point. Um, I want to just say that with the Shidduch system, a lot of research takes place beforehand as well. Correct. There's certain things you can find out with research, certain things you can't. But it is important, like, for example, um, you know, you talk about the things you can't live with. You can't, no one can live with dysfunctionality. There has to be some functionality, right? Right. Um, part of that, I always, part of my research when my, when my own children got married is to find out if the person is a responsible human being. Mm. Um, do they do they go to work? Do they do that? Are they Are they... Do they have a sense of purpose? Do they know what they're doing? Are they working or studying? Or they, and if they're studying, do they do they come to they the lessons? Do, yeah. do, do they show up? Exactly. So that's you know that's just some of the things. And then the rest of those that compatibility, that foundational stuff, you find out when you meet and you chat and you date and so on. But I want to add one more point to, to the whole thing because the way I sometimes think of this, and it's not, I'm not in any way arguing with you. I'm agreeing with you, but I want to just highlight a certain very important point, and that is. When you do get married, even stuff like you say, once you're committed, you have to work on. But you know, relationships is also the art of selflessness. So you learn to be a little bit selfless. You learn to put someone else aside, right? You learn to respect put yourself someone. aside. Put yourself aside, yeah. sorry. And, and you learn to respect other people's needs. So I also think in terms of there's also needs and there's wants, right? So yeah. I define the difference between needs and wants is needs is something I really can't live without. Like someone who's very punctual, the punctuality means so much to them, so then they have to express that. They have to say, look, you know, you just have no sense of time. We need to work this out because I have fun at the beginning. I can't show up to a wedding two hours later. Right, yeah, exactly. So we're going to have to be either, maybe we'll agree yeah, that. Maybe we'll go we'll, different times. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we'll agree that, you know, we go to a wedding, you go and you wherever you go, I'll go to a different car. And it's fine. If we're both happy with that, that's fine. Or we'll compromise a bit and I'll be a bit late, you'll be a bit early. Yeah. But then there's things that are once, right? That things want. And once are things that we learn to give up for someone else. Yeah. And that's okay. Here's the problem of today's society, that every want is becoming a need. Mm. We're so self-absorbed and we're so into ourselves, unfortunately, a lot of times, that every want becomes a need. And that often is the root cause or one of the causes of relationship breakdown. So I think part of this process is also learning to understand when you say there's things I can't live without, you've got to narrow that down. Right. It can't be a list of 32 things, right? That's right. right. It's got to be... It's got to be Okay, certain things, you know, certain people, just certain things really matter to them. Um, 
but it can't be everything. It yeah. can't be like you know you have to have your your cup on on, on the place. You have to have this and the certain. You have to have certain this food. This has to be for dinner. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to have dinner ready in certain time. I mean, yeah. it can't be. You know, it's got to be a little bit of understanding of what the other person is going through, yeah. and, and why the other person doesn't have. You know, all, all that stuff. I mean, we're not going through a whole marriage lesson here, but I think that's just to add a little bit of spice to what you said. We also need to think about wants and needs, and not everyone has to be a need. So, so two things just came to mind while you were talking, and maybe we can try to link this actually in, in the description of the thing. We actually interviewed, um, talking about after you're already married. Before you're married, you try to make sure your values are the same and these things fit and you know the things that you can't live without are not there and all that stuff. But once you're already married and you've committed, you try to make it work as long as there's no major dysfunction. We once interviewed a couple um, where one was very, very religious and one was totally not religious. He became religious after, after they got married, yeah. yeah. And they somehow made it work and it was absolutely fascinating. We'll try to find it and, and then link to it because no, it's I actually very not- worth listening to it. Because it's that that's an example of normally someone who's very religious or someone who's very not religious finds it very, very difficult to live with someone, to be married to someone who is different. But somehow, because they're married, they put in the work and they made it work, which is unbelievable. So that's spoiling it, but it ha- I'm not going to go into detail, but it really had to do with an incredible mutual respect. Yeah. And they were focused not on themselves, they were focused on the marriage. Yeah. Which leads me to my next point, and I think maybe this is an underlying theme here, which is coming up a lot. I think all of this that we're discussing is only true if you actually believe in marriage as a value, as, as, as marriage itself as a value, not even for children. In other words, that, that marriage itself is a wholly valuable thing, and therefore I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. Now, obviously, again, even the Torah gives room for divorce and for, for the dissolving of marriage, and that, of course, if that's needed, that's needed. But nevertheless, because you believe that once you marry someone, you believe it's two half of the same soul, you believe that God made this happen, you believe it's a mitzvah, whatever word you want to put to it, therefore, it's not just like, if it's not working out, okay, forget it. It's you're going to literally put in as much work as possible. It only works if you believe in it. Well, the simplest way to put that is in Hebrew, one of the words for marriage is kiddushin, which actually means holiness. Right. You're building a home. You're building a sacred place. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what's changed in modern society, where marriage is just like two people love each other, so you commit and you live the rest of your life together. I think Torah, the Jewish thinking is much deeper than that. Marriage is an actual value. It's, it's, it's not just if you're feeling good today and it's working, then great, and not, not. It's you're going to make it work as much as possible. Correct. So can I, can I answer your question? And maybe this is a little bit controversial, I'm not sure. But I think and this is true about many things in, in modern society, that because... And you always talk about is the I think you call it the um, the pendulum the, the pendulum syndrome. syndrome yeah where people go from one extreme to the other I think many times when we try to rectify mistakes of past generations and and true mistakes perhaps of past generations we sometimes tend to go to the other extreme so I think here's an example and I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and and what the difference would be so perhaps in previous generations we didn't have as much awareness when it came to things like abuse and toxicity in marriage and people just put up with things that perhaps they maybe shouldn't have, like, you know, as I said, domestic violence and abuse and all these things. And because, thank God, we have a lot of awareness today and much more now in the religious community than it was previously, and we know these things happen in the religious community and all of that, and we talk about it and we educate about it, and we talk about how you have to stand up for yourself and you have to protect yourself and all these true and, and, and good things. Do you think perhaps there's a danger in we going to the other extreme that people don't know how to give of themselves anymore and, and look past themselves anymore because we talk about so much standing up for yourself and your own needs and your own and your own you know respect and that's very important in other words what I'm asking is how do you tell the difference between 
I'm standing up for myself because I need to, because I'm being pushed over in a very bad way, to just get over yourself sometimes. Does, does that make sense? It's a fantastic comment. <laughs> so my thoughts are like this. First of all, it goes back to a fundamental thing. There are a lot of things we know today and are more aware of today that we weren't aware of in previous generations. The danger is we start to discount the previous generation. So for example, the, the, the trend in you know our grandparents' world was to stick it out. Yeah. You got married, you stick it out, yeah. right? So we said, no, today we, we just don't stick it out. We, you know, it's an abusive relationship. But the problem is we start to discount the previous generation. We have to remember that in every part of life, we know more things than our, than our grandparents did, but they were smarter than us. Okay? <laughs> we might know more no, things. Wiser. wiser. They were wiser. Yeah. And they built the world that we live in at the yeah. end of the day, right? So we need to know that sticking it out, in other words, we have to be nuanced and we have to differentiate between the two things. So they stuck it out. Sticking it out is a good thing in a certain context. Yeah. We now know that there's certain areas that maybe you shouldn't stick it out. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for yourself. It's unhealthy for your children and so on and so forth. Okay, so we can take the good of what we know now and apply it to the foundations that we were taught and built by our grandparents or yeah. previous generations. Yeah. But we need to understand that they had solid values. They had solid commitments. They, there was so much about them that they were unbelievable at. And we need to learn that and not discount it. Just modify it in line with the education and the knowledge that we now know. Mm. So I think you're, in that context, I think you're 100% right. I think there is a danger. I, I can tell you that, again, in the years that I've dealt with people, I have seen, and I, everyone knows, who comes to, you know, everyone knows that I do not tolerate abuse. Yeah. I have... <laughs> I have separated many times. Yeah, right. I have told couples yeah. to divorce. I have told couples. To, I've told women to move out. Oh, just so everyone should know, I, I have no idea who he's. To, to be. I said I know that you've done it. You've told me you've done that, but never you've never told me who. Just to, no, 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 just no, to no. point that out. Yeah. Confidentiality is very no, important. No, of obviously. course, hundred percent. Yeah, but but I I have told women to move out immediately because I thought they weren't safe, um, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, I could also say that I've seen marriages where people claim they're in an abusive relationship, and they're not. It's not abuse, just a bad marriage. Right. And a bad marriage, you can work and fix it. If you sometimes. Can, can sometimes. Yeah. In other words, a bad marriage, if you both committed, there's, help, there's hope and there's help. Right? So one has to know the difference because, yes, it all go, goes back to self-absorption versus selflessness and self, selfishness with, versus selflessness and so on. Relationships are about going beyond ourselves. And therefore, you know, that has to be sometimes the work that we put into it. Sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes there is abuse. And we need to be educated. We need to talk to someone else. We need to be able to identify those things that are not rectifiable or not at least easily rectifiable versus those things that with a bit of work we can make happen. Sometimes people give up much too soon today, I believe. They just give up much too, much too soon. Sometimes it's good reasons, but sometimes it really isn't good reasons. It's just lazy to do the work because I'm lazy to go beyond myself because I stand up for myself in a negative sense. And that's a problem. Yeah. So we always have to know that. We can't, as you said, we can't submit to the pendulum syndrome. Pendulum syndrome is that now we're going to go, everything's going to become, I'm standing up for myself. Anytime someone looks at me the wrong way, I'm being abused and, and traumatized and all the rest of it. <laughs> and therefore, I'm done. I'm done with this marriage because yeah. um, I don't like the way they do things or whatever, right? So yeah. that's, a, I mean, I'm being simple, simple obviously, but yeah. I'm trying to make a point. I think just to end off, I think you once told me, I think this is a, a, a sort of a nice way of defining it, the, 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 sort of the difference of when you give out of weakness or you, give out, or you give out of strength. Like if you feel like you are forced 
to be selfless. If you feel like you're being pushed over and you literally have no control over what's happening, that's more of abuse. Whereas when you give up from yourself and you're selfless out of strength because you're committed, because you right. want to, because you love the person, because you respect the person, that's actually a good selflessness. And that's right. a good and giving sometimes up. giving up from ourselves is a value. And we choose that value because we cherish that value. Yeah. And then that creates a beautiful relationship. All right. This was a good discussion. Yeah, we've covered some good stuff. Hope you enjoyed. We'll see you next week. If you've got any questions, um, throw them at us. Maybe we'll talk a bit Absolutely. more about marriage next week. Uh, challenge us if you want, and um, we'll continue the discussion. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for listening to The JP Show. For questions, comments, and feedback, please email rabbig at bina, B-I-N-A, dot com, dot A-U. See you next time.